Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week on The Mike Wise Show, our guest is one of the foremost experts on international players and their influence on the NBA, and he's standing by. But first, Darlene, do your thing. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? Thank you, Darlene. Fran Fraschilla has served as a college basketball analyst at ESPN for close to two decades. Prior to his broadcasting career, he was head coach at Manhattan, St. John's, New Mexico, and had winning records in eight of his nine seasons. His career winning percentage was 64% and his teams went to the postseason eight times. If you are familiar with ESPN's coverage of the NBA draft, you know he's their expert on international players and has never mispronounced a single name. Welcome, Fran. Thanks Mike, so much for joining us. It's a pleasure, man. I, I uh, We share this amazing longtime common love of a game that uh, I don't know. I've never worked for, I've never worked a day in my life. I don't know about you, but, but I, I've been around basketball yeah, no, since I've, I college. So I'm, yeah, I'm no, I feel like I, I played at a very small level, Hawaii Pacific College. Uh, you know, I was I was that guy coach on your bench where you were um, you were down by 20 and you looked at me and said, you know, he's not going to hurt us. Let's put him in. Yeah. Um, and yet I found a, I found a way to get close to the game in other ways and through my writing, through my broadcasting and, uh, and and of course, through great American literature, like when I wrote Shaq's book for him, Shaq <laughs> talks back. But uh, but at any rate, yeah, it, 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 in some ways there's been events. And there's been times when I've been at a, either a finals or a tournament game where I go, I'm getting paid for this and I can't believe it. And I'm sure yeah, you feel the same. I do. I feel the same way. I've been very blessed growing up in New York city as a kid, yeah. Knicks fan, you know, the deal. Yep. Uh, I go, I'm old enough now to tell people, I hate to admit it, but I go back to Clyde and to Busher and Bradley and the day Earl Monroe got traded to the Knicks. We couldn't believe it because he was our arch enemy. You know, we were trying to figure That's out right. how, how Clyde and Earl would figure figure it out in the backcourt, and they won a title. And uh, no, I've been around the game my whole life. You know, people ask me all the time, like, yeah. "How do you know this stuff? Like, how do you know like the backup point guard at College of Charleston?" And I just <laughs> tell them, I, I, it's just it's stuff I've been remembering since I was like ten years old. Honestly, it's yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's it's weird. You, the, the, I call it the useless information department, but yes. but there's things in my brain where you'll just say a name or a team, <laughs> no. and I'll, it'll just come. It all come back to me. I'll have a story, and yeah. there'll be a connective thread somewhere in there. I, yes. you know, I was, I, I guess I was talking to Jerry Colangelo last week, and <laughs> and and he was, you know, he had every story imaginable, but one of them 
we said we talked about was yeah you were you were basically given the job to resurrect USA basketball at a time yeah. when everybody was almost frustrated with what the game had become the AAU cattle calls the 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 less development and more just it's about you and your branding yeah. and all of a sudden you, you put this organization together that becomes what basketball was you know we learned growing up was you know how to give yourself to the good of the group and, and yeah. really set and give you know and irrespective of how talented you are and now I and I spoke and I said this to him I said you know if and you could comment on this even better if 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 a team from another nation won the Olympic gold medal in the last in the next 20 years I don't think people would be saying America isn't doing its job. I think the yes. world has come that far and yes. we're going to have an international champion at some point. That's just not going to, it's not going to be because of what we didn't do. It's just what they became. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, absolutely. Mike, you know, the, uh, we never thought it would happen this fast. You know, it started with the dream team in 92. Uh, people forget that in 2000 uh, USA won by a hair over Lithuania the debacle in 04 in Athens with the young team, you know, if you look at the roster, it was a great roster. It's just that they were all teenagers. I mean, it was Wade and, you know, uh, LeBron and, uh, Carmelo, they they were, they were probably 20, 21. Yeah. And, and, you know, Tim Duncan got in foul trouble and I, and Iverson, but anyway, um, that was about the time I really started getting into the international game, uh, the NBA draft. Uh, yeah. I had taken a team to Spain when I was at Manhattan College, and so I started to fall in love with uh, the game over there. Uh, I started to do clinics over there. And to your point, um, I had to explain to my European friends, coaching friends, why American basketball was so bad back then, 2004, mm. 2005. And Jerry came along and, and obviously coach K he restored mm. a pride in our game, right. With the, with the, the O team. but here's what else mm. happened as that was happening. And we took the game more seriously internationally and we've won our share of gold medals, obviously, but, but think about it. Um, there might've been 10, 15, 10, like 5% of the league back then was international guys. Mm. Now, now it's over 20 heading to 25%. And that's that's yeah. incredible. The globe has shrunk, is what I'm saying, and it's shrunk for the better, I think. Well, and I think too that there there was for a long time there was a sense of, all right, we're we're drafting a European player, we're we're getting a soft Caucasian, yeah. or, you know, something, yes. and there was just this label. Yeah. And of course, some of the GMs and Ernie Grunfeld will laugh about this now, but yeah. you know, he contributed to but by yeah. some of the draft picks. Right. You know, okay, Alexei Petrov was not going to be uh Luka Doncic. That's just how right. it is. Right. But but these guys now, like they're and I remember talking to players about this in the locker room, like way back when there was a there was a genuine feeling of look, our game's getting outsourced and yeah. And we have a personal pride here yeah. and irrespective of where we're from, where we're, but now I feel like there's this acceptance. There's this, there's yeah. this, Hey, you know, uh, Nikola, Nikola Jokic is getting me the ball on my fingertips as I cut to the basket. Like no big man has in my life. I don't yeah. care where he's from or what he looks like. He's the MVP favorite this year. And, it just blows me away the ex- not just how far the players have come, but the acceptance yes. of of almost American teammates to what these guys mean to the game now. Let me let me tell you what happened. In my opinion, um, 
50 years ago, you and I know these names well, and we know some of them well. Chuck Daly, the late Chuck Daly, mm-hmm. uh, UB Brown, Dr. Jack, um, you know, mm-hmm. Bob McKillop, Lou Carnesecca. These guys went to Europe in the 60s, 70s, you know, or 80s, and taught the game to the coaches in Europe for the most part. Well, let's use Europe, for example. And in recent years, these guys have taught the game back to us. Because mm. when you watch when you watch the Spurs and the Warriors when they won their ch- titles and the spacing and the ball movement, pick and roll, and you and you look at the idea that, you know, if you think about the international guys that play in the league right now, by and large, if you talk to teams and coaches and executives, they'll tell you like they're amazing teammates. Yeah, they know how to play a team game. The game I grew up with, the game you grew up with, so. These international guys are not only tough enough now, they're skilled enough, but they also have brought an ethos to the league where if you don't play as a teammate, that era of ISO ball when Allen Iverson was in his prime, that's kind of passe right now, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I think the international game has just done, they, they've done an amazing job of, I think, making the NBA more watchable. Yeah, I agree with you. Part of me was, it, it was I've kind of come around to it being, you know, I, I, long story short, but we, when we were, when I was 12, we moved to Hawaii. And even yeah. though I only grew to six, four, which is not huge in basketball, it was a monster in Hawaii. I was, you know, right. all these Filipino Asian kids. And so yeah. they would literally wait for me to run back down the court in high school. Like I was, right. I was, I was the chief from one floor over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. Like, you know, Hey, get it, get here. We'll throw them the ball. Yeah. But, but, the inside outside game that we came to know and love and respect right. is boy, it's, it's now just a kick and penetrate game. And it's a, yeah. it's, I, I still remember in the finals uh, a few years ago, Kevin Durant coming down on the break. Um, I'm sorry, Kevin Durant coming down the break, clearly on the right wing there for a layup <laughs> or dunk Steph Curry coming down on the left wing and Kevin Durant pointing like, like shoot, and, yeah. and Curry pulling up and hitting it and Durant going, yeah. And I'm thinking it destroyed every concept of sort of getting, right. <laughs> moving the ball, getting the open shooter. But yeah. that's where they were. Like he was pumped that Curry got another point out of the deal. And I thought, wow, this is a different game. Yeah. And while like, while part of it is hard for me to digest, I almost think we become two, three point happy. Another part of it is there's just so much movement yeah. and, and so many guys cutting and passing. And it's like, you know, it's, it's almost a combination of uh, Pete Carrill's league, and, you know, and Magic's league. In some well, how about way. Pete Carrill's league with great talent? Yes, you know Pete Carrill's, I mean? but yeah. And, right. and, here, and here's something I want you to think about: like 15, 18, back in this era when everybody was lamenting the drop, the fall of American basketball, at least stylistically. Mm. Um, and then the, inter- the Europeans had some influence, but here's what happened too. I believe we used to, even as a college coach or as a college basketball commentator, I would lament the lack of skill level. We had nobody that could make a jump shot in college back around 2000. Mm. And then here's the beauty of this game. Steph Curry comes along. Kevin Durant comes along. Clay Thompson comes along. And we're talking about three of the greatest shooters in NBA history that would rival, you know, Jerry West and whoever, you know, Bill Bradley, yeah. whoever the guys we thought of back in the day. And if you think about it, it was no longer cool just to be on a sports center highlight dunk. All it became cool to have skill again. Steve Nash, yes. pick and roll, passing, you know, uh, 
the staff pulling up. And so I think the combination of the international guys coming over here with their skill level and their team oriented play and the growth of these, of these immense talents in recent years, like Steph and Clay and KD, it's actually cool again for high school and college guys to make jump shots. And, and, and pass like yeah. the, 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 the passing is just incredible. I, <laughs> right. I, you know, I, I wonder I, from your standpoint, you know, what, do you think there are major differences still in the pl- player development system between the U S and Europe? Um, uh-huh. Or do you think we've, we've bridged the gap a little in terms of just the skill level? What I tell my European friends is, Hey, we got 330 million people in America and we have, we're a society that doesn't have a, a one fits all philosophy, a one size fits yeah. all, I should say, you know, like depending on, it depends on where you go to high school. It depends on who you play for in college. It depends on who your grassroots coach is. you know, in, in a small country like Lithuania with 3 million people where you and I know they absolutely, they love the game. Like it's Indiana high school basketball. Yeah. Well, in Lithuania, you have this Sharunas Marshallonis Academy or the Sabonis Academy they're, they're taught a certain mm. way to play, and it's a really good way. We have a more democratic, I use that word, quote unquote, system in America because you don't have to go to an academy to learn how to become a great player. Now, not every good player is fundamentally sound, and maybe that holds them back from being a great player. But I don't. I think what makes this country or what our American development is, we just have different ways to do it. I don't think we could ever box 330 million people into one way of playing basketball. Whereas in a smaller country in Europe, you can probably do that a little easier. They bring this team-oriented uh, ability to make everybody around them better. And I think it's contagious. I think you're right. The, yeah. There's something about there, there's something about the uh, you know giving to get that they yeah. they understand. And it's <laughs> it's so uh it's here's so a great apparent. line. Here's yeah. a great line. My one of my European friends says. The reason we pass so much is because passing makes two people happy. <laughs> the, the guy that gets the assist. That's great. The basket. So like, yeah, I like that. that's you know, great. And by the way, could you imagine Pete Carrill with Nikola Jokic in that offense? Oh, you know what oh, I mean? Oh, oh. <laughs> so oh, it's John, Tom, John Thompson, the third would have been in the NBA. You're right. Uh, exactly. No, back back uh, no. door cuts. <laughs> back door cuts. Oh man. Yeah, no, yeah. it's, I, you know, I look at the Spurs, they won championships with players like Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, and yeah. I guess Tim Duncan of the Virgin Islands. The Spurs have probably had more international players over the years than any other team. Was there something about the Greg Popovich, R.C. Buford system that was compatible with players from outside the U.S.? You know, it's funny because I, I've done my research on this, and uh, and actually I'll be doing the Olympics again for NBC uh, in in July. So I, nice, I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Now we'll be in Stanford, Connecticut, no traveling, but I'll I'll be part of the coverage. But I, I as I remember, um, you know, Pop Pop was an interesting guy because. You know, he, after Air Force Academy, he served in the Air Force. He played at Air Force Academy for Hank Egan, who was a great mm. coach and NBA assistant. Uh, Pop, Pop, at a, I, I don't know Pop well. We actually live in the same community in Colorado Springs, but um, I don't know Pop really well at all. And But my, my research is that Pop, because of his Air Force background and traveling around the world, speaking mm. Russian, you know, being an expert in, in, in Russia, that he had a, wor- a world view that was a little different than the rest of us because he got out and around. And then 
Of course, they take Ginobili with the 58th pick back in whatever, 2002. Then they take Tony Parker as a 19-year-old. And, and uh, you yeah. know, it was just right time, right place. I, I think, uh, I think it, it all kind of came that figuring out that these, these, these international guys are not spoiled. They're yeah. not entitled. They love playing. They love practicing. You can yell at them, which Pop did. You know, you can actually coach them. And uh, I just think the system all came together. There was one season where they started the year with 10 guys on a 13, 14-man roster that were international players. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. Well, I, was, I mean, the other day I was thinking about it. You know, if if, if Jokic is named the MVP this season, yeah. it would be the ninth time since 94 that a player born outside the United States won the MVP. Yeah. M many people in the game feel that, Luka Doncic will win it one of these years too. He seems to have more yeah. swagger than any previous player from Europe, other than maybe shoot Sarunas Marshallonis or somebody. Right. What, right. What's the secret sauce when it comes to this guy's success? I mean, he's so young. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I saw him when he was 16 and I saw a really good player, but I, I did not see this. I did mean, you I, know, did you see any signs of this where you said not, this guy is a no brainer hall of famer or a perennial all-star or you just no. think he's a, he's a shooter on another good team. No, no. At, at 16, I remember thinking he'd be a really good player. I didn't know what level yet, but then when he got to be, you know, I was just talking to, I was just mentioning a name, Pete Michael, who played at Barcelona, was yeah. a really good winning player for them. And the thing about Luca that we all started to figure out quickly, and here's the thing, Mike, as through the years when I've done my evaluation of international players for ESPN, the draft, yeah. the one thing I've always done is I've always known Americans playing in Europe, either with a prospect or against a prospect. Hmm. Every single American I talked to about Luka Doncic said he will not miss. He will not. He will make it. And did those Luka, did those did a lot of the players over there become your sort of go to guys yeah, and yeah. sort of scouts and whatnot? Yeah. They did because what happened was they know their players. They play against the guy. Yeah, you know, so we could watch film and we could watch him in person, but it's completely different than when a teammate says, "Listen, I played in the NBA eight years. This guy is going to be a star." And with Luca, he started dominating the second best league in the world, the Euro League. Yeah. In, in one season, this guy won the ACB, the Spanish Championship, which is the third best league in the world. Um, he won the Euro League. He won the European Championships, where they actually were a country of three million was the best team in Europe, all within like sixteen months. And mm. he was dominating professional players at an age of eighteen. Mike, I wasn't sure he would be this generationally good yeah me now he's as generationally good at, at 20 at, at in 2021 as lebron was in 2003 four and five wow. like we kind of knew we had a hall of famer on our hands so with luca off the bat you'd have to say given his early career he's heading to the hall of fame someday yep. you know when you're talking about a guy with massive triple double numbers almost every night and mm. the analogy i give to people all the time about basketball around the world is the NBA is major league baseball. Hmm. College basketball is the equivalent of the highest level is double a. Okay. And the Euro league is triple a. Hmm. Okay. And what he was doing in Euro league was hitting 400. Okay. And you know what I mean? It's like a guy hitting 400 and triple a is probably going to be a really good hitter in the major leagues.
What about what about the G League? Where's that come in there? I, I guess it's a good it, question. I guess it's the G League. I, I, the G, <laughs> well, the G League is probably in between. Obviously, the the you know AAA and AA, but right, right, right. I think the G League teams would beat college teams. You know, hey, the, the, here's what I would tell people: the yeah. best team in the Euro League, like Real Madrid or Barcelona, they would beat Duke by forty every night. Really? Yes. Yes. That, okay. Okay. Yes, because you're talking mm. about guys that are pros. Yeah, and and. 28, and Right. They've, yeah, they've, they've been, they've, they're grown men and they're also, they're yeah. experienced. At, yeah. Like Rudy Fernandez is probably 31 now. And I mean, come on, he was a pretty good NBA player. Well, I know and, that's you know, that. You talk about like one of the differences is, yeah. is, yeah, you, we have got, we, you know, we have guys that don't turn pro until they get that year under the belt. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, know you got 16 year olds over there becoming professionals yeah, Ricky, right away. Ricky Rubio and Doncic. So yeah, no, it's funny. The world's caught up and Doncic obviously has even surprised me. I thought he'd be a multi-time all-star maybe two or three times, but I yeah. think the guys uh, really, I think he is on his way to the hall of fame barring in their injury, the way he started his career. Yeah, he's even he he even wants more calls now than most ten year vets. <laughs> oh, it's he, incredible. He's arguing just like a ten year all-star. Oh, it's, yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I, know. I know he's, he's a whiner. Uh, you know, he's actually, oh yeah, he, he really he's is. But you yeah. know, I would say you see sometimes he takes more steps than my recovery group. I got unbelievable. it. Yeah. <laughs> I like. I'll tell you some of the international guys I like. And tell yeah. me if you tell yeah. me if you like any of these guys. Killian Hayes. Like him, he's got to learn how to drive, dribble with his right hand. Uh, okay. He's a lefty dominant one arm bandit, but, uh, you know, he's been hurt much of the year. He's coming back now. He's going to get a lot of chance to play at the end of the year for the Pistons. And uh, long-term potential is good. I think he's an NBA starter. He's a great kid, great work ethic, very left-hand dominant when he was a young pro. Again, he was a pro at 18, 17. Yeah. So I think he's going to be a good NBA player. Anybody that you're high on that somebody will, will – We'll say, Fran Fraschilla told me about that. Guy. <laughs> That's a good question. You know, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you one right now. So I'm going to make right. you look smart. All right. I need uh, help. No, Josh Giddy is an Australian kid hmm. who is 18 years old. He's growing every week. He's 6'8". He's a point guard. Uh, he's a bushy-haired white kid. with uh, Looks like he should be from Southern California on a surfboard. <laughs> and if he's Australian, he probably is on a surfboard, by the way. Uh, because they're surrounded by water. But uh, Josh Giddy <laughs> is playing in the NBL in the Australian League, same league that produced LaMelo Ball. Yes. And uh, this kid is uh, one of the hot names in the uh, Australian League, 18 years old. He's a product of, uh, of the training of a guy named Andrew Gaze. Ah, I, boy, Gaze was covering <laughs> that 2000 Olympic team with the New York Times. Yeah. I mean, you talk about – well, got a kid who almost shot them down for Lithuania. What? Well, who was that? Oh, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was because remember he had a shot to beat the U.S. Oh, oh, I was yeah. so close, and I hate to say it, there was a lot of the there was a lot of the American press who wanted to see them go down because yeah. that because because that team was a little I mean between but Vince Carter and yeah. Andrew Gaze got into a scrap before that uh, yes. one of the a friendly. And I was thinking, Gabe, man, Gaze is something. But what a boy, he's talk about a an ambassador for Australian basketball now. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he, he was uh, on PJ Carlissimo's uh, uh, national title finalist team. He was the 88 Final Four. And uh, he, you know what? We'll get back to Josh Giddy in a second. Yeah. And Andrew Gaze is one of the very few people who played uh, in five different Olympic games. 
for ba- in basketball. That's incredible. And I, I think the great Oscar Schmidt probably did it as well. Yeah. But Andrew now is back. Um, and, Teresa uh, Edwards did it for the women's team. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know what? I think, I think, I think you're exactly right. So, uh, but that's, 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 that's a feat in itself. Doesn't matter where you play. No, exactly. Exactly. So remember, remember that name, his name, his name is uh, Josh Giddy, who's going to be a, probably a top 15 pick and he's a six, eight point guard. Uh, That's great. That's great. Australia, Australia's turned out a lot of players. I am. Is there, do you ever have any, I mean, this is your life now, but do you ever have any qualms at all? Like you're, you're, you're a New York guy, you're for Schilla, you know, (laughs) you know, you're, and all of a sudden uh, you're, you're responsible for, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're your own Ellis Island of basketball pretty much at this point. I'm blessed. I've been around the world now, uh, crazy places, kid from Brooklyn, um, mm. like, like we said at the top of the podcast, I've been blessed. I don't work for a living. I get to do cool stuff, Mike. Uh, mm. you know, I, I had a chance to go back to coaching when, uh, when I started at ESPN, I always got the calls every spring, you know, yeah. offer me opportunities. My boys were nine and six when I left coaching. Um, and I just wanted to ESPN gave me a life where I could actually raise my kids instead of somebody else's kids. <laughs> and, and you know what? Those two idiot sons of mine, who are two of my best friends, That's um, great. one one works for Steve Clifford in Orlando. Ugh. And the other one, were, and, and my other one works for Jay Wright at Villanova. So they stayed. Oh my God. The, ne- the nepotism is incredible here, Frank. <laughs> I got, I got to tell you, I had nothing to do with getting those jobs. <laughs> No, that's, that's great. Well, look, and you got to spend time with them. That's my whole thing with, uh, I, I, am an old dad. I know you got, you had a, you had kids a lot younger. I'm, I I have a 10 and six year old boys now. Yeah. And, um, I like, you know, just as a dad growing up, who obviously wanted your kids to love the game. And what would your, be your advice to somebody like me trying to make sure, you know, that I'm not that, I I feel like I'm that dad sometimes like, I can't believe you didn't block him out. What are you doing? And he's 10. You know, I I I feel like I want him to love the game, but but in the middle of it, he's going to hate me if I don't stop. You know, one of the things, one of my rules was we, when I used to work the guys out, like go to a gym and let's just practice a little and do some drills. Yeah. No more. uh, When they got to be like 11, 12, 13, 14, no more than 75 minutes. That was my rule. Okay. I did not want them to hate being with dad. I did Mm. not want them to think, I said, listen, I'll be here for an hour and 15 minutes. I'll, I'll put you through some drills. And if your friends want to come over to the gym and you guys play three on three or, you know, whatever, but yeah. I'm not, we're not going to be out here five hours. That's on you. You want to practice five hours, you do it on your own. And what I tried to do was continue that love of the game without them hating their dad for pushing them. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife used to say after they played a, a, a game, like when they were that age, don't talk to your kids for at least 10 minutes after the game. Like, don't critique them. It took five. And I go, why did you throw that pass? You know, <laughs> so I couldn't help myself. Um, oh, but the key is to just make sure they have a love of the game. And I was really lucky because both of my boys did not have to choose basketball. Um, my younger son, Matt, believe it or not, took after yeah. mom. He, he went to Harvard and played for Tommy Amaker. So I thought, I thought he was going to wall street to work for Goldman. <laughs> Instead, this, this clown is working for Jay Wright and building over now. So, um, they, they, they saw their dad loved the game and they, he had a job that he loved. So they, they're in it right now too. We'll see. 
That's great. Uh, it's like uh, Jeff Van Gundy always tells me a story about it. he's at Yale. Yeah. And uh, and he he realizes that, you know, he can't play at Yale. Yeah. And but he's going to go play for Menlo College. And he tells his mother and he goes, you got into Yale, you idiot. I know. And he says, no, I, I love basketball. I'm going to go play at Menlo. And it it's one of those, what, are, what was Tom Petty's great line? You know, if, if you find something you love and it pays the rent, as far yeah. as I'm considered, and if it goes beyond that, and it certainly yeah. has for you, you know, yeah. God bless you. No, I, I think I you know, I mean, it must be hard, though, because you you know more about the game than than the 98 percent of the population. And yeah. you're but there is a. I guess there there is a, almost a freedom in not having to you know being the armchair quarterback coach well, as opposed to having to recruit and that, that all yeah. the all the crazy hours you have to put in when you can still do your work and have a life yeah and that's what that's what this life in with ESPN and broadcasting and and the yeah. international game has given you. Well, it's not only that, Mike, I learned something about basketball every single week of my life. I mean that mm. I, I have never stopped learning. I have that growth mindset you hear about, yeah. right? Carol Dweck and the mindset. And so what I have transitioned mm. into, because my, my, I'm pretty much off eight, nine months a year. I don't really have a job. ESPN, <laughs> they overpay me. I shouldn't really say that, but because um, <laughs> they don't, they don't, because they get oh. everything from me. Believe me, I, I, <laughs> I, I kick ass. I do. Uh, in my opinion, but here's what I do. I, I share the game with my, with my young coaching friends. Um, Zoom has been unbelievable. We've done so many great Zoom clinics. Um, yeah. I, I've learned international basketball where I'm teaching pick and roll concepts now. Uh, I, I do a lot of mentoring with young coaches, sharing the game, X and O's, teaching the game. Next week, I'm doing a clinic uh, with a number of Division I women's head coaches. Hmm. because I just want to share the game with them. You know, I That's want, great. To, you know, and I, you know, not that they don't have great coaching on the women's side, they do, but I want to do with them what I do with my men coaching friends in the off season, which is share what I've learned from some of the great European and NBA coaches that I study. So I, I feel like I'm a mentor to a lot of young coaches and, you know, wisdom to me, it's my own definition is a collection of failures and some successes. Mm, that's, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. And that's what I try to impart on younger coaches is, Hey, listen, I did it this way. It didn't work. I did it this way and it worked. Pick your, you know, pick whatever you want to do, but here's how I did it. After all those years ago, I want to say 90, it would have been 95 that you, you took Manhattan to the second yeah. round and, and yep. became like the Cinderella story. Do, yeah. you, do you look at college coaching now? And there's still obviously some very good young minds coming up in the game. How, how has it changed in your mind from, yeah. from those days? I want to tell you what happened. Uh, the, one of the silver linings for basketball because of the pandemic was, if you think back to last March and April, the entire world stopped, right? We all yeah. stopped. And I discovered Zoom, and uh, as we all did. And, yeah. and it was the first time that many coaching friends of mine in their careers had time to really catch their breath. Their kids were all, their players were all home. They were virtually learning, going, taking classes online, whatever, Zoom. And it was the first time they didn't have to recruit. They didn't have to travel. And they actually studied the game. And I think the coaching in college got so much better this past season mm -hmm. because these coaches who constantly are on the go with recruiting and booster club meetings and 
travel. They actually had a chance to catch their breath and study basketball. It's there's something about slowing down. Yeah. Even in my even in my uh, I'm working on this book now, but slowing down and thinking, deliberating instead of just having to boom, 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 and and uh, you know be on all the time and actually having the time to read and think. It's yeah. it's a blessing of the pandemic. You're right. It's uh, yeah. you're you're so true. I know your specialty isn't the the WNBA, but you're you know in last week's draft, three international players yes. were taken in the first round. Are we seeing a similar trend in women's professional basketball and what we saw in the men's game as far as internationalizing the sport? Is that is that is that full on happening? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's twenty years behind what happened in '92. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like USA is still dominating, but what's happened now is. Uh, if you think about it, the, the best players in the world uh, on the women's side, they have to make their money going to places like Russia and Spain to make the millions of dollars because obviously the WNBA season is so short. And so um, what they're doing, the Diana Tarazis and, the, you know, the Deladonas and those players who are traveling around the world and playing 12 months a year, Sue Bird's done it forever. Mm-hmm. Um, they've, they've, they've imported the game. They just like magic and bird did back in 92 and, and, you know, and, and Michael and those guys. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then the young lady, like the young lady uh, from Finland, she's six, five. I uh, can't think of her name now, but she, uh, she's a tremendous athlete. Uh, yeah. It's going to happen. A uh, couple Aussies went in the first round, I think. Uh, so um, it, it's good. I think, I, you know, I always say on my podcast, world of basketball, we're trying to shrink the globe, the basketball globe. The game you and I have grown up loving is now, uh, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, the, the world that we knew is is shrinking even more because of Jokic and Giannis and, you know, Bogdanovich and uh, it's fun. It's no longer just American guys, American women. It's everybody. This game is is so popular now. It's the second most popular game yep. in the world. It's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. The the woman you're talking about, I believe, is um, Awak Kair. Yes, um, yes. I'm not sure if that's how to pronounce her name. Yeah, yeah. I've been familiar with her for years. No, that's not true. I just googled her when you said six five <laughs> Finnish woman. Nonetheless, I'm now aware of her. Well, she doesn't. Look, I, she doesn't look Finnish now. She looks like she could be from the Bronx or Brooklyn, where I grew up. But, but again, because of the immigration and the world, and what you should see her. She's a she's uh she's like Giannis. She's a little bit like uh, Giannis. She's a tremendous athlete. Incredible. No, it's incredible. Yeah. Well, this this is great. Uh, you know, for for I I, I want to. I guess I, part of me says that I should I should still call you the pride of Brooklyn, um, yes. James Madison High School. Yes. Graduate of Brooklyn College, uh, Mac Coach of the Year '95. <laughs> I could tell you your whole life, Fran, if you want me to, but I'm not going to. Let me just you, tell you something. Just yeah. recently, I made it into the James Madison High School Wikipedia page. What? Along with along with Carol King, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Chuck Schumer, Bernie Sanders, Chris Rock. Finally, finally, somebody got me onto that Wikipedia page. <laughs> the, the what, great, a, what a roster. What, like oh, did, you, like did just like being on the bench being on the bench in that lineup is incredible. I, listen, Stanley Ka- if you ever took a Stanley Kaplan course to get into college, Stanley yeah. Kaplan. Kaplan, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it, the list goes on and on. Uh. I I finally made it onto the Wikipedia page of James Madison. So, uh, um, <laughs> meanwhile, the kids I went to high school are with me. We're filling out unemployment forms. Um, well, it's this has been this has been a treat for me. That was dope. <laughs>
Thanks to my guest, Fran Fraschilla, for his time and insight. Thanks also to my producer, Bruce Bernstein. Bruce, hit us with the promos. Thank you, my coach Fraschilla. Boy, does he know the international game like better than anyone you could imagine. He's he's amazing. Uh, thanks to coach for, for that, of course. And thanks to our incredible editor, Kristen Woolley. Please check out all of our Pure Hoops media shows, Full Court with Jenny Fisher and Kara Kay, with the best in college hoop each Tuesday, Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin is here each Wednesday. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure drops a new show each Thursday. BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman have the Pure Hoops podcast each Friday. And of course, my man, the great Mike Wise, has a new show every Monday. And if you'd like to hear some selected choice discussions from all of our shows, subscribe to our Pure Hoops Media Quick Hitters. Go to YouTube and search for Pure Hoops Media. Mike. Well, thank you, Bruce. And a shout out to our new sponsor of the show, Monster Truck Spectacular. You'll hear them every week on this show, you know, promoting things like this. This Saturday, Dickie Day selling his 460 Cherry Dutch Chevy Love goes up against Big Daddy Don Garlits of the Snake. We'll turn the Hager's ground for it downs into a mud pit. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We are one day closer to beating this COVID-19 pandemic into submission. When you qualify for the vaccination, please get it. But until the country reaches herd immunity, keep your guard up. Wear the mask in public to protect yourselves and others. Wash your hands. Keep your distance. I know you've heard this many times from me. And be considerate of others. And if you know a nurse, doctor, or a frontline worker, tell them thanks and keep them in your prayers. Till next time, aloha. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.